Yeah, but it's a really good direction that you're heading in. You know, maybe you should you try and get back to it. In 75 years, you're going to be fucking dead. I'm going to be standing next to Picasso and Vincent. So get the fuck out of here. You want a cup of coffee? No. Just call me when you get some new work. Yeah, okay, man. Take it easy. Welcome to CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicolas Cage. I'm Nate Porter, and with me, as always, is Britt Porter. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today, Woo! I'm good. It's warm in Seattle. Hot summer nights, summer loving. Which seems appropriate for this particular episode of CageCast, yeah, wouldn't you say? I guess so, I guess so. Um, speaking of appropriate, why don't you tell people the appropriate way that CageCast works? We're in the process of watching every Nicolas Cage film in order according to the film's release date. We'll be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. This week, we'll be discussing the 1991 film... Zandali. Right. Oh, Zandali. Right. Or Zondali. Or Zondali. Like gondola or gandola. I don't think that that's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. So we will break down. (laughs) So is it Gandalf or Gondolf? It's Gandalf. We will break down the film's non-existent plot and themes. (laughs) Or they want themes, at least. And then afterward, we will rate the film on a scale from zero to four stars in three different categories. The film's entertainment value, the film's artistic value, and then in terms of Cage's performance. Last time, our cumulative score for Firebirds, Wings of the Apache was a 10, which actually puts it pretty low. Puts it in ninth place out of the 11 films that we've reviewed so far. Will Zandali claim the top spot this week? You will have to listen to find out. Yes. Yes. Is Zandali better than Raising Arizona? Is it better than Vampire's Kiss? Is it better than any film ever made? That's the question. That's the reason for the existence of our podcast. That's well, the existential question of Cage. Well, I'm glad. I think. I'm glad we're here. Is Zandali uh, better? Yeah, you'll have to listen to find out, people. As a reminder, we do not share our scores with each other before the show. We round out our show with our patented Cage Cast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. Hey, Britt, we uh, we had to watch an erotic thriller this week. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, I, we I, sure I, did. I can't even. I, I I can't even believe it. Really. I know it was. Folks, if you're out there listening, and I know some of you are, because some of you tweet us and respond, and it's all fun and games with hashtags and all that good stuff. But listen, the fa- this is the not, faithful, the faithful cage cast remnant. You're out there and you're listening. This is not a movie for the faint of heart. Well, I don't know. If you if you are of an erotic persuasion. That might be the only reason to watch this. Otherwise, no. Avoid. There are some at all costs. I would say if you're a cage, we are skipping way far ahead here. Okay, we're we're not going to talk about that. All right. Um, well, with all the pleasantries out of the yeah, way, yeah. Screw, screw pleasantries. Here, here we go. 
When was this film released? This uh, film was released. Quote, unquote, released. Right. This was released uh, in July of 1991. And in the... That wasn't the only release going on. (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) in the United States, it was a straight-to-home video. Never a good sign, especially not in 1991. There were... See, the ironic thing is, this is probably the best cast of any movie we've seen so far. I mean, listen to this. Judge Reinhold, which, you know, you could go either way, but he had some he had some good movies. Um, uh, Erica Anderson, who is not notable. She basically went on to be on Silk Stockings and Red Shoe Diaries, so just kind of the softcore circuit late night thing. But she, um, you know, was a pretty girl and was a, a model before actress, you know, and like an actress slash model like, uh, like Zoolander. Sure, yeah, totally. Or, or like uh, Fabio. Like Fabio. Right. right. Uh, Marissa Tomei, who is an Oscar winner for sure. Best actress. she has this crazy teeny tiny cameo that is just kind of a nothing role, but it's just funny. Joey Pants is in this movie. I love him. Oh my gosh. We're going to talk about him. He is probably our favorite character of this film. Hands down, he gives the best performance in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. We're going to talk all about... J J Pants. Kind of a revelation. I've never seen him like this before. I don't want to get too hyperbolic. Revelation might be strong, but he's actually very, very good. Aaron Neville. Oh, yeah. Aaron Neville <laughs> makes some guest appearances as a, as a tried-and-true bartender slash drug, yeah, drug something liaison. He, yeah. I mean, Aaron Neville's one of these guys that, obviously, I've heard of Aaron Neville, but I actually had to look up. I, I couldn't really think of an Aaron Neville song. What, what did we decide? Plays a fool. Everybody plays Sometimes. a fool. Yeah, that's totally. A, that's a good song. Aaron Neville, Neville Brothers, for sure. All right. Um, and we'll talk about him too because they've dressed him as though he just walked on set in his clothes, and then they stuck him in the seat. You know, he looks it's, like it's fantastic. Like uh, he's dressed like Dozer from the Matrix. But that's how he. You know? If you see any, if you see any images of him from those from the nineties, that's how he dressed. Maybe I mean, maybe the his, the, the his, Wachowskis, uh, you know, modeled their 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 humans after Aaron Neville's performance in Zandali. It's possible he didn't have his like trademark dangly earring chain thing that he used to wear, but. Yeah, it's it's pretty spot on Neville Neville gear. It's pretty great. And then la- our last kind of fun cameo is from a young uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, I mean, and he was great too. I liked him. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Some really heavy hitters. Uh, this is 1991 before they were Hollywood. I don't want to say elite, but but really well respected actors. So the director was Sam Pillsbury. Um, not of the Doughboy fame. And what were some of his notable, <laughs> well, notable films? Yeah, he's got some. He's got a, a, a Free Willy 3. Oh, yeah. The Rescue. Wait, was it The Rescue? Or like... I don't know. M- more more whales, more action. Bigger willies. If Free Willy 3 was Free a Willy Fast th- and Furious. Too, Willy too willy, too furious. Free Willy 3 even freer, even willier. Free the willy. That's not the only willy that was freed in this <laughs> oh, one. Oh, no, it was not. <laughs> oh, no. What else is good? The well, good Mr. P- he Mr. Did, Pillsbury he, he did Where the Red Fern Grows. That was the one with um, with Dave Matthews as a, as a starring role. Yes, that's right. Um, he also, most recently, National Lampoon presents Surf Party. Well, ob- I mean, because how how else to follow yes, up your... the modern day classic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the writer... So we are clearly in good hands in the director's seat is right. what you're trying to tell us. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. The, right. the writer was Mary Kornhauser, who really hasn't done anything else at all of note. So that should tell you something. We were trying to think of the cage genre for this movie. I mean, he's a pretentious hipster prick artist guy, but but really, what what is he in this? Well, you know, he does have some moments, um, great moments, actually, probably the best in the film, where he just goes a little bananas. But yeah, he's a generally just sort of aloof and weird, um, consistently weird, unlike Firebirds, where his performance was all over the place. He's consistently a strange guy in this. So we kind of said, you know, just based on a couple of scenes that we, we kind of put this genre in the batshit crazy cage. Yeah, I camp. guess. I mean, it's the closest thing we can come up with. But but really, uh, I would say we haven't necessarily seen anything like this pretentious artist hipster before there was hipsters um, cage. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, the only other thing to mention is the soundtrack. It was uh, uh, composed. The score, at least, was composed by a somebody uh, called Pray for Rain. I actually looked them up. And done a couple other movie scores, too. Sid and Nancy was actually not bad. And then, of course, who, who could forget the score for Car 54, Where Are You? Oh, oh yeah. Just, it's a classic. I've got it on my... Uh, it's a timeless yeah. masterpiece. Yeah, of, I mean, I've got it on basic, music. on repeat on my Zune. Yeah. Uh, Pray for Rain is in my top eight. So, with that being said, let's play for you a song by Pray for Rain. Uh, this one is called Dancing Bear. And when we get in the movie, I think you'll know why it's called that. Okay, we are back. Brit Zandali, 1991, Nirvana Nevermind was at the top of the charts. You two, Octung Baby. Uh, what were what were you doing in 1991? Oh man, I think I didn't know which way was up back then. I was just trying to figure life out and decide where I fit in the grand scheme of things. What is your history with Zandali? Nothing, surprisingly, right? I mean. Right. Who's got any history with this movie? Very, very few. I would say, I think my extent of knowledge of this movie was, I think a few of the scenes show up in those YouTube compilations of Crazy Cage moments. Yeah, there is a couple of clips from Zandali in one of those Crazy Cage montages that's out there. And so I guess I had seen those scenes and was curious as to which movie they were in and the context for them. But that's about it. So let me ask you this. When I press play on that disc we got from Netflix that was Zandali, but it was obviously the Chinese version. Oh, yeah, that, that was they great. Could get. That was uh, great. The, the um, menu was all 
uh, a blend of Chinese and English. And yeah, we thought, what nice. exactly nice. are we getting ourselves Netflix into Netflix has lowered the bar on their yes. sourcing. I don't know why they haven't, you know, my, remastered yeah. <laughs> Zandalief specifically for release well, on Netflix. Uh, so I guess my question is, were you looking for, when I press play, were you looking forward to watching this movie? Well, folks, we've seen Zandalief coming for some time now. I mean, we, we're tracking, we're tracking our IMDb filmography here of Cage and we knew that our time was coming soon and Zendley. Yes. And then the description in nearly every um source that we have found was erotic thriller. It was erotic thriller. Right. So- I don't know if there is another all out erotic thriller on his filmography. Yeah, I I don't Time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. But this one really, I mean, he, if this is the only time he does something like this, man, he sure went for it. And we saw some naked cage in this too. Oh yeah. We're going to, unfortunately. And naked Reinhold. Unfortunately, we're going to have to talk all about that. We will earn our, we will earn our explicit tag on this episode for sure. For sure. You know, if you're a mother, if you have sensitive eardrums, just know. If you have a a pristine view of cage that you do not want marred in any Anyway, this is uh, this is cage cast after dark. Yeah, I guess it is <laughs> cage cast so nights. You could say that my <laughs> excitement level about this particular screening was not high. Yeah, you're not the I mean, you like all kinds of entertainment, but I wouldn't put erotic thrillers at the top of your of your list. Well, I mean, you know, who would? I'm sure there are some. <laughs> so without further ado. I wouldn't, not going to point any fingers. Let's go ahead with uh, as much as we can, a plot synopsis. Go ahead, take it away. Zandali Martin is a beautiful young woman living in New Orleans who is married to Terry, an ex-poet who is no longer passionate about his writing or his wife. Terry has taken over the family's communications business after the death of his father. He is emotionally adrift as his dreams give way to disenchantment. Johnny Collins, Terry's boyhood friend, is a painter by trade and has been working for Terry's business to help support his art. He also buys, sells, and ingests copious amounts of cocaine. Sensing Zandali's frustration and vulnerability, Collins seizes the opportunity and seduces her. Their sexual liaisons occur in various places. Terry soon suspects the two are having an affair. As the affair intensifies, Johnny asks Zandali to leave her husband. However, Zandali feels that she must never abandon her true love, Tari, and ends her affair with Johnny. She and Tari recommit themselves to each other, but Johnny, now obsessed with her, will not be brushed off that easily. He easily tracks them to their vacation spot in the bayou. After a tense ballroom dance on a dock, the three take off in a speedboat. <laughs> yeah, there's an intense ballroom dance on a dock. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It's they're strange. Like, yeah, it's, uh, we'll talk about it. Cherie falls out of the boat and drowns. Neither Zandali nor Johnny can save him. Both Zandali and Johnny become distraught by Cherie's death and begin to isolate themselves. When Johnny meets Zandali with the hopes to rekindle their romance and have a possible future together now that Cherie is out of the picture, however, she remains emotionally distant and instead goes for a walk along the old quarter with Johnny following her. When Johnny's drug supplier attempts to kill him in a drive-by shooting, Zandali sees what is about to happen and shields Johnny, getting fatally shot in the process. The drug dealer flees this from the scene of the crime, leaving behind Johnny, now alone, as he cradles and holds Zandali's dead, lifeless corpse. <laughs> you, wow. like you like that? You like that? Wow. Yeah. That's what happens. It is. (laughs) You know what that is, Brent? That's art. And art's messy. Life's messy. Yeah. And does art imitate life or does life imitate art? 
Oh, well, this movie imitates a dead, lifeless corpse. Yes, that is true. All that right. is true. So, first off, let's talk about the setting of this movie. Uh, shot and uh, one would say a love letter to New Orleans. Ooh, that's taking it a bit far. It's definitely shot in New Orleans, and you get that right off the bat. It's very clear. I'm, I, so here's the deal with this movie. It is arty. It is intentionally trying. Now, what do you, what arty, what do you mean? It is intentionally trying to get you to think deeply. This is not, this is not a blockbuster hit. This is not a Michael Bay film. This is a think piece. This is a, right. this is an exploration of emotions and relationships, right? This is what it wants to be. Yeah. This is the kind of movie that now would screen at Sundance or Cannes or something like that. Right. Um, so here's the, pro- here's, here's the problem. It does sort of get you hooked into thinking about deep things when, as the movie unfolds, it's just so silly and dumb. So here I am at the start of this movie thinking, why New Orleans? Why have they set it in this particular you know, environment? Is it is it what the city evokes? Is it what the city represents? And again, this is pre-Hurricane Katrina when the city represents like hope and restoration and all these things. It's gritty and seedy and dirty and dangerous and sexually charged. And there are some B-roll scenes where you get all of that. And so, you know, you want to sort of figure out why this particular setting, but I hesitate to give the writers and directors that much credit because it's so bad. The first thing we see when the credits come up is this is a Judge Reinhold production. So before this, obviously had done Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, Beverly Hills Cop had come out, and even Beverly Hills Cop 2, but that was in 1987. He really had kind of fallen off the 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 main stage and I get the sense that this was going to be his artistic triumph he was going to be talking about deep things in deep ways he was going to talk about poetry and life and art and he was really going to make a name for himself in the artistic community with this film I suppose one could say that there there is a reason why he chose to set it in New Orleans I I'm hoping that it's not just so that he can affect a terrible terrible accent yeah that's the other thing too like which he does it is just horrible listening to him try to affect this new orleans accent we'll play a little bit of that for you everything's backward i was away from her as a child and now i'm with her as an adult she had my best interest at heart i don't have time for this See you after the beating of the bachelor drums. It's not very well thought out. I think this would have worked better if he was not trying to play a native of the South. Well, and he's one of the few characters who actually puts one on. I mean, his wife, Erica Anderson, she doesn't. Nicolas Cage doesn't. I think Joe Pantoliano's character does a little bit. But I mean, it's not as though everyone's doing it. It's he it's that's what makes it so very strange is he just decides to put this on and oh man is it bad so yeah so so we get right into this movie and basically the first time we meet zandley uh she is fully frontally naked oh yeah so we've got some you know shots of the city as we're panning down from the skyline and the camera's making its way to their apartment and then we see her out on the patio in a robe it's morning and we see him shaving getting ready for work and then she just strips down full frontal nudity within the first i don't know what two three minutes of the movie yeah i mean basically her first major scene and whether or not she's in the shot or not they make sure that she's in a mirror or that her body is always in frame yeah i mean she's 
she's naked and then it flashes to him and then it goes back to her naked and now she's got a shawl bouncing on the bed yeah jumping around the room (laughs) and then she's yeah then you see her full frontal in the mirror i mean it's her entire body well she's a she's a free spirit it's just so it is the first thing out of the gate i wouldn't say it's a two o'clock skinamax i would say it's like a 12 30 in the morning hbo there is a lot of nudity it is male and female and it is prolonged in certain scenes far longer than it feels like it should be. I mean, even after characters are done, you know, humping each other. Wow. <laughs> such a, that's why I married you. You're such a, a classy, classy lady. What should I say? Making love. <laughs> after care, I mean, even after characters. Having are, sex. Even after characters are done having sex, there's like two or three minutes of dialogue where one of them is just naked. Let's just talk. Let's just lay on the bed f- fully naked and not just topless, fully naked and just have, you know, a conversation. So pretty early on, we learned that Tari, which is Judge Reinhold's character, and Zandali are married, and they used to be happily married, but it seems like now he's working for the man. He's working for, um, you know, some sort of corporation, and he's changed a little bit. He, he might not be the same guy that he used to be. She's still this free spirit, and he is not. We get a little bit of that through dialogue, obviously naked dialogue, and then he starts to leave the apartment, so we're going to get a respite from this nudity, but where is he off to? Oh, he's off to... Uh- a uh, uh, titty bar because he's got a friend who's got a bachelor yeah, party. Yeah, bachelor going on party. There. And so we go from nude scene to nude scene. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's topless ladies pouring drinks all over themselves and whipped cream on their boobs. And again, lots of full frontal scenes. Again, they're not even wearing thongs, they're wearing. Any sort of propriety, like, is out the window in this movie. It is full frontal the entire time. And it's a little, it's a little different. Yeah. It, it it's. You know, it's just a little arresting. You're thinking, okay, we are trying to make an attempt at screening this movie seriously, but it's hard to when women are in corners are putting whipped cream all over their tits and guys and like you get like a full in your face shot of guys like licking it off. I don't know. Yeah, it's what happens. It's what happens. But but yeah, so Tari leaves for work and then presumably for this bachelor party afterwards, and that is where we first Catch a glimpse of our hero. Now, I will say, Nick Cage's entrance in this movie might be the best we've seen yet. Yes, absolutely, for sure. He walks into a, a long corridor. And it's he, backlit. He's backlit, so we see a silhouette of, of this of this free spirit, and there's music playing in the background, and he starts to walk, and he stops, and then he, like, headbangs yeah, to he himself like for nobody. He flings his head around and, and you so still we can't see, see his face. Right, it's but we see that he's got these long locks, this mullet of sorts. Oh my gosh. And uh, he already seems like, you know what, whatever room he walks into, he is the life of the party. Yeah, and he definitely paints himself in that way. So he walks in and does his just craziness <laughs> and keeps on walking and he's just got this gait and this swagger and he comes in the room and when we finally do see his face and his countenance they have chosen to put him in one of the worst wigs i've ever seen i cannot for a moment believe this is his actual hair it's so bad yeah it's really bad it is black mullet and down to his shoulders and then he's rocks this terrible goatee situation and you know there are times in the movie where like the back of his mullet is like sticking out like it really looks like a wig and not like someone has groomed his his locks this way. Well, he's an artist. It is 
unbelievable. So I will say one thing about we're what is this twelve movies in possibly into Cage Cast, and I was kind of already hating this movie five minutes in until we saw Cage, and then man, I got a huge smile on my face, and I said, you know what, it's gonna be okay. Johnny Collin. You got the power tie. That's all. I hear you're married and teaching at UNO. Tell me it isn't true. Well, I was teaching. I am married. Hi. Well, young lady. Well, this is first class accommodation. Yeah, you know, he's a he's a grounding force in in my life at this point. And that is sad, but it is (laughs) I will say it is true. If I if I see him walk on screen, I know everything at least is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I won't say, okay. I would say that 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 lulls you into a false sense of security for Zandali. So, yeah, he comes in and you kind of get his connection to Cherie, their buddies, their you know, child boyhood friends. Yeah, they go back a long time, and and, and Tari is over the moon to see him. Yeah, too. I think I think he's got a huge grin on his face when he walks in. And I think the di- from the dialogue, you get the sense that they actually haven't connected in a really long time, even though they've been living in the same city. And you know, our good friend Cage wastes no time getting down with the whipped cream on titties action. He is going for broke. Yeah. Well, he's I mean, establishing his character. Yeah, sure. He is exactly. a he is a uh, he is a ladies' man. He is hot to trot, and he has no shame. So you know, we do get a brief respite from from nudity. You know, for I don't know a few minutes, uh, where Tari invites Johnny, who's Cage's character, back to his place so that he can meet his wife Zandali and see his. Therese, I think grandmother is that mother. I, I think I don't think so. I think it's his grandma. But do they live together? That's what yeah. I, one thing I couldn't understand for yeah, this whole movie. I think she lives with Zandali and Therese. I think that's place. his mom. I don't think it is. I think it's his grandma. Well, I would say for any man out there who's considering it, it's probably a bad idea to bring Nicolas Cage home to where your beautiful, sexually repressed wife lives. I'm Johnny Collins. One hit. We grew up in Baton Rouge together, same street, same age. I'm an old friend. Okay, Mrs. Martin. Okay, what? Just okay. Now we know who the other is. You know, you have a very peculiar notion about introductions. Yes, agreed. Not not the smartest thing you could do. Uh, Cage has some sort of internal radar that just beeps him closer to the nearest needful woman. And he finds Zandali uh, very, very quickly and starts to seduce her literally within seconds of meeting her. Yeah, and she's not having any of it. I mean, to her credit, at least at this point, she doesn't even know who he is or his relationship to her husband. And I just want to add this scene where the two of them meet in the kitchen at Therese's home is a very good example of terrible wig action for Mr. Cage. For, for those of you keeping track, you got to check out what they've done to his mullet wig 
in this particular scene. You know, one thing that's interesting in, in Cage movies so far, for the most part, he's been a pretty likable character. Um, even if he's a scoundrel, we, we want to like him. We kind of want to root for him. There is nothing redeemable in his character of Johnny. Yeah. He is pretentious. He is a, kind of a douchebag. He is a, just an artistic know-it-all, like a really seriously like a hipster before a hipster was a thing. Um, he's all about his art and he's all about pontificating about these really deep things and like money is the evil that keeps art at bay in the world of the universe. Tori and I were misfits together. Artists in exile. Did you ever graduate? You never even attended. You faked the whole thing. Took the tuition money, rented a studio, bought canvases and painted. Only old Big Daddy found out, didn't he? Yeah. The judge was not amused. He cut me off until I came to my senses. But if I can't paint, everything just turns to shit. What if you don't sell? I can't worry about that, man. That's denying what I call the artist's life. I think money's an excuse for a lack of art anyway. I don't care who you are, Donald Trump, who the hell. Without creativity, without life, then you are truly unable to go straight up the devil's ass. Look him right in the face, smile, and survive. And he's awkward about all of that. He's not a character that you can sort of settle into. I mean, you, you know, he hasn't seen Tari and his his grandma mom for some time, and he's never met his wife, and yet he just sort of jumps in as his whole self, and it's really uncomfortable. And that might just be the way that the movie is shot, that it's not well done, but there's a very stilted scene in the living room, kind of as in the mix of all of this kind of first meeting time. It's just very awkward where Johnny's on the couch with Tari and Zandali and the dialogue doesn't flow and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of development of the relationships. It's it's as though you're jumping in and it, it feels really uncomfortable and not in a creepy way. It's just it's just either badly done or it's the way he chose to play that particular character. It's yeah, it's just awkward. Yeah, awkward is a good way to describe most of this movie. Now, quickly on the direction and the editing, it's not horrible. The The shot composition is fine. It's not a long movie. It's like an hour and a half, maybe an hour 35 with credits. So I would say it's edited fine and the direction is fine. And nothing flashy, nothing that draws attention to itself. No super artistic flourishes in that area, which kind of makes it even worse because you really have to believe leave in the dialogue and the dialogue consistently disappoints. The funny thing about this movie is that they say things in a such a heavy-handed way that are meant to sound smart and meant to sound deep and meant to be um, metaphors for other things that are going on in the movie, but every single time it's really cringeworthy. We could there could be a drinking game of like heavy-handed metaphors, take a shot and you would be probably dead after the end of this movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are. There are a ton of, like, double entendres and innuendos that, you know, you can tell that the writer put in and that probably were meant to really lead the audience to make it clear what's going on. Oh, yeah, man. That's deep. The awkward sentiments of a protracted adolescence. You were good. Shit. Come on, your standards are so high, they're cruel. No, they're not. It's too easy. Since when did the Martin legacy become so important to you? January 12th of last year. Yeah, and and they're 
so painful. It's it's as though they're just they're they can't bear the thought of the audience actually thinking for themselves about this movie and they just have to keep feeding us, spoon feeding you these little nuggets. It's an artsy movie that wants to be arty, but also simultaneously assumes that the viewer is stupid. And that yes, exactly. That is it just makes for a really bad viewing experience and it, here, it completely me, discredits right. it completely discredits anything that I think they're actually trying to they're do. They're like, here, let me spoon feed you this caviar. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and and so in some dialogue we established that Tari and Johnny were boyhood friends. Yeah, Tari was a poet and apparently a decent one. I think he published a book. Right. One book. And Johnny's a painter. Right, exactly. They recount some of their their sexual exploits in front of his wife with in pretty frank and ugly graphic detail. And so I make no excuses for what I do. Yeah. You have your models. Do you have that? Always have that. Well, that's quite the situation to have women come over and take their clothes off for you. Yes, it is, darling. When that big red snatch is coming right up against your face like a freight train, it's pretty hard to paint, I'll tell you what. You always felt you had to tell them the story of your life in order to fuck them, didn't you? It was a very short story. But as I recall, it was always my talking that got the girls to the bond. Uh, it was, again, very, very awkward. But we, we find out that Tari is no longer an artist or a poet. He... Um, he works for his father's telecommunications company, kind of had to because his father died. And so he decided rather than let it just be flushed down the toilet, all his dad's hard work, he decided to go back and work for the family business. Not let his father's dream die. It's not as though he took over at the helm of a really successful company. He's, it's struggling somehow. And so that's creating stress for him. And right. And that stress really doesn't help him out, both in the poetry scene or in the bedroom either. Yeah. So, you know, we meet Johnny and, and Johnny meets Zandali. And then we see just some scenes between Zandali and Tari that are um, supposed to kind of tell us a little bit about their relationship, that they're disconnected and not having sex and he's not interested and she's well he's still... he's kind of incapable yeah yeah and we find that out a little bit later but at this point you're just he's just sort of shutting down with her and she doesn't know why and we don't know why and you know one thing she does do to relieve her tension is she runs a lot yeah which was probably not cool in 1991 probably not She's and, the only person that runs the entire movie. And there are, again, there's just a lot of filler scenes of her running, scenes of the city, scenes cut to very weird music. You know, we have, they're trying to do is just paint, initially paint a picture of their life. They're kind of monotonous, boring White bread life. Yeah. Sexless, now, sexless yes, existence. Exactly. Now, we think she would live a more exciting life, or maybe she did because she runs this little boutique. So, yeah, the boutique is where we first meet uh, Joey Pants. That's right. And he plays Jerry, G-E-R-R-I, and he's uh, her little cross-dressing homosexual friend. Yeah, yeah. Which was very novel in 1991, I'm sure. But I will tell you this, Joe Pantoliano as Jerry, is hands down the best performance of this movie. Yes. Take, take your time, honey. You make a meal out of it. Ooh, are you wearing that to the sweetheart's ball? And don't you be telling everybody. Back in the back. If you're getting it, I don't think it's enough. Would you stop worrying about me? But I do worry about you. I mean, girl, if you look like you're about to come up with some jacket with pearl buttons, I don't know about you, but I think it's time for you to take a serious excursion with me sometime real soon. I'm going to be the belle of my sweetheart's balls. You're disgusting. And you love me for it. 
forget I am your reality check. Absolutely. The most fleshed out character. You believe him entirely. And he, I mean, it's weird seeing him because he looks very young. You know, every time I've seen Joe Pantoliano in other roles, he's just very dry and kind of very sarcastic and kind of world weary. But here he is full of life full of kind of piss and vinegar and very fun to be around. Yeah, and he we actually the when we meet him for the first time he's in a floor length white silk gown. A beautiful well. gown. It is beautiful. And and he's, that, well, he's getting ready for a ball. Yeah, he's getting ready for a ball. And so their whole entire scene, he's wearing this gown and she's fitting him in it. And he's obviously there for color and he he provides color. It's great. He's enjoyable to watch. Um, I'd say the only downside to those the scenes that we have with him is that Erica Anderson, who plays Zandali, is not a strong actress. So it, he, if he's kind of serves as a foil for her, he out upstages her. I you don't think. think she's a serviceable actress? Uh, she's pretty. You know, one thing that struck me is in the opening scene where we see her bouncing all over the place naked. It's the most animated that we see her in the entire movie. The rest of the time, her face is very stoic it's very somber and yeah she's supposed to be this woman sexually well, repressed woman in tortured. this loveless marriage yeah. but i would just say I, we've seen a lot worse acting than erica anderson in this yes, movie yes we have but we've seen he, worse acting from nicholas cage yes we have but but in the scenes with jerry joe pantaliano upstages her he well he does. steals he steals every yeah, scene that he he's just in. does he he totally steals the scenes and and rightfully so is all i'm gonna say so so four stars for joey pants in this movie i'll yeah, say that right now absolutely so one of my favorite things is as we get back to tari and johnny johnny has convinced tari that he wants to paint a portrait of tari and i have no doubt that nicholas cage painted that painting well if you listeners can find any dirt on zandali that's a question i'd love to have answered whether or not he actually did i mean it is epic yes abstract just kind of a green blob of a portrait it is ironically perhaps a very good depiction of the film itself in what way Trying to be something that it's not. Trying to be deep and provocative and you know thoughtful. What it, yeah, you know what it looks like. It looks like Bob not. Dylan's album cover for his album Self Portrait. That's what it looks like. And uh, I think we should mention very quickly that Steve Buscemi is in this film, and we've seen him, you know, a couple times already with where the story's at now. And he plays a uh, convict or ex-convict who apparently they do work detail as garbage bin in yeah. in uh, New Orleans. And so we've seen him, you know, kind of with a, a few lines of playful banter with Zandali and, you know, getting garbage and things like that. So he pops up, what, four or five times throughout this movie with a little bit more of a, of a weighty scene at the end. Yes. But, um... I love when we get back to Tari and Zandali in their next kind of scene together. We learned that that Tari's book was entitled his his book of poetry was entitled Nefarious Truths. Oh, so Sp- deep. Speaking of like hitting you over the head, yes. like it's so funny because that's everything that this all this whole movie is very nefarious and Johnny's very nefarious and it's that kind of thing that just like hits you over the head with like, hey, he wrote this book of poetry and by the way, this movie 
is that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, see, see what we did here? See, oh, oh, you didn't, you don't understand. You don't understand what you're signing up for. Let us show you. Let us tell you. Let us tell you in advance. You don't need to think for yourself. Right, and they, they draw a very big parallel. She is encouraging him. Oh, you could, that was such a good book. You could write another book. And he's just like, I can't. I can't anymore. I just can't. And, and like, juxtapose that with he can't, you know, get it up in the bedroom. And, yeah. And you've got a lot of repression going on. This is all in the same scene. So it really, it really really oversaturates you with quote-unquote meaning but it just it's so too much it's too much yeah and the filmmakers and continuing that theme of hitting us over the head you know uh in addition to running to relieve her stress, Zandali also is apparently a good Catholic girl. Yeah, she goes to church a couple times, I not mean, to confession. Right. Well, there's a big cross on the wall in their bedroom or living room, and we see her go to a cathedral several times. Yeah, but again, it's it's she just sits there and it just looks mournful. And right. I, I think it's, like I said, I think it's trying to make us think she's got more depth as a, as a character than she actually does. So, you know, meanwhile, again, we're just kind of piling on, piling on the stress, piling on the entire movie is just piling. Yeah, piling on the relationship tension. We've got a scene with Tari at his father's company where he's trying to keep his father's company afloat. And it's it's kind of a throwaway scene. And I think it's meant to, you know, just show us more of the stress that he's under. And then meanwhile, Zandali's out with a lot of a lot of juxtaposition showing his stressful life and her trying to find some sort of outlet for her repression. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot. So what outlet is so Brit? (laughs) What outlet does she find for her repression? Well, you know, it's been about 15 minutes since we've had some nudity. Oh, I think I, I think you're being I think it's probably been. Ten minutes. So, you know, we got to throw in some more, some more titties. So Jerry takes Zandali to a what strip, kind of, a strip what club? Kind of, I don't know what kind of club this a, is. It's a, a bar? no, I would say it's a dry hump club. Yeah. So they which go. Which is a thing I, I honestly did not know existed. So they go and it's not topless ladies and it's not Chippendales. It is man in thong, woman in thong. Just like grinding, grinding against, each other. against each other, right on stage and like put her with her head in his. But it's weird. But it's but it's weird and laughable. And it's not like they're kind of simulating sex acts and things like that. But all over but, the club, but and dancing, then you've got, like, scenes they're all dancing, over the place. They're having fun. Grinding. And then they, like, then the naked couple, like, disperse. They go into the audience, and there's a lot of shots of but people all around her, just like fake getting it on and then she sees an actual a couple actually getting it on in the doorway and she and does she is she is thrown for a loop what do i feel about this yeah and she's yeah. also they've got her dressed in like this very she's modest, ready to go out yeah she's ready to go out to like a uh, like an npr gala or like a pie social yeah, exactly I mean, it's very strange and she finds the ugliest guy in the club and kisses him like, for might like be wearing makeup 10 seconds and then is horrified with her own behavior but she's it's it's really weird because there's this and I think they're trying to show this. There's this push pull for her of like, this is I am I am repulsed and I'm and I can't look away. Yeah, it's like she's in. It's like she's engaged in some sort of sexual reawakening. That you know she can't. She's trying to fight 
and can't understand. Well, and what does she think's gonna happen? She goes believe- to a dry hump club. What is what does she think's gonna happen? I I can't even believe that we are going this deep with this movie. It is, you guys. It is not. Yeah, it's good. not. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. We're but trying to give it. We're trying to be artistic. We're with trying our to review. trying to. Yeah, we're trying to pay it its due. I will say this though. It hard. does. It does. Um, uh, you know when I'm trying to start the lawnmower, and I and I and I have to give it a couple pulls to to get the engine going. Oh sure. Oh yeah. It got her engine going. Yeah, it did. She shows up at home, possibly drunk. Possibly drunk. Strips down her. Strips down totally naked again. Judge is already in bed naked, and there's a lot of no one sleeps with clothes and on in this. Judge is naked. He is naked. You guys. Tari is so naked as the day he was born. The, pause the movie. Zandali comes home. Revved up, takes off her clothes. Tari is already in bed naked. Nobody in this movie sleeps with clothes on. Well, who would? Nobody does. No one does in real life. And so he decides, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. And so he gets like out from under the covers, and he is naked. Judge Reinhold. How naked is he? Da- three naked? three little words. Naked judge. I want you, I want this to sink in, people. Naked judge Reinhold. Naked. And we're not talking butt naked. No. We're talking, okay, we don't see any dong. However, we see a shrubbery. We do. We see. We see We bush. see judge. We see, we see Reinhold male bushery. Oh. And it is, it is one of, it is one of the, one of the things I wish I could unsee in my life. <laughs> It there is, are a few things I wish I could unsee. It is I've been so, at I've been at war. It is. <laughs> I've seen men reduced to rubble by the emotional. Never mind. Yeah, it is so. You guys, just like what? What? No, no, judge. Yeah, no, 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 judge. No, no, no. And they're you know they're attempting this like tender husband and wife scene, and then they start going at it, and she's got full Kate Bush happening. And then they're up against each other, and he's just naked, and he's she's trying naked. To, she, and, and she's trying to make it, you know, it might have worked if they were just, if she just tried to have sex with him, but she's trying to make it hard and mean and yeah. say my name and all this yeah. kind of stuff. and she, like, flips over on her back, like, do it, give it to me, and, like, she, yeah, she's trying to get it all going, and... And then he like he, freaks out and like after stops like and, he freaks out to after seven seconds. Yeah, he just can't. He just can't. It's too much. Well, and so then he's, Brit, he's angry at himself. So then they have this naked, you know what? Intense argument. He's angry at his dad. Well, what? Is it me? Because I want you to tell. Oh God, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just paralyzed. A paraplegic of the soul. There you go, a metaphor for old time's sake. You know what? I wish you were a paraplegic because at least I, I could understand then. Yeah, they have an angry, intense, angry. naked conversation. And then she starts to cry. And then he gets up to get like dressed or go sit in a chair for deep pondering. And she lays on the bed naked, touching herself and weeping. Like, like literally tears and softcore soft trying to get something going. And they cut to her and there is a single tear running down her face as she lays in bed nude. And he's sitting in a chair and he like is disgusted at her attempts. And so he gets up and flings himself to go ponder out, out the window. But he's still naked this entire time. He, he's still like we still have 
plenty of opportunities to see more of Judge Reinhold than anyone would ever want to see. Yeah, he's like staring at the moon. They find a the in a weird little bit like they find a, a lizard in their bedroom, and he he takes he gives it care and consideration, and he he which cup, is more than he, he gives her. Yes, he cups it in his hand and makes sure it's safe, but. Who's who's looking out for Xandalie, Britt? Yeah, so you, this is just who's, a who, really good who's example. Who's looking out for her lizard, you know? This is, right, right. This is a really good example of the whole movie. It's intense nudity, lots of heated emotions, lots of weird... And if you don't know what intense nudity is, you haven't lived. Right. No, you haven't. I mean, she is she is just going crazier yeah. and crazier, running, as we said, just aggressive running. She's running in front of trains, like darting in she's front like of them. She's like doing anything she can to feel, basically, to get a... She's. I think she's doing anything she can to, like, get off somehow, right? Like, her level of sexual so. repression I is I guess so. High, that, that makes sense. High. I mean, I've never met anyone like that, so... So, you know, about this time, she has a run-in with Johnny on the street. Because Johnny, because Johnny actually works for yeah. the same company that Judge Reinhold runs, but he's like a little peon, uh, you know, like blue collar guy on the yeah laborer on the street. Yeah, so they have this random scene again, interspersed with Steve Buscemi stealing a TV and running through the scene, which is funny. But so they have this little interaction on the street. They're already they're, this is the second time they've ever met, and they're already hardcore flirting with each oh, other. Oh yeah, he's gonna draw some terrible tattoo on her arm, and then she won't let him, and she runs off. And you know, I'll say this about Nick Cage: we haven't seen him much in this movie, but I do. There is something I like about his self confidence. He is a pompous asshole, but he owns it. I I really do like that part. I think he consistently inhabits the character of Johnny. Well, you know, that's the thing about Nicolas Cage. He does commit wholly to the roles that he chooses. And it is, I think, what... We've seen several not-so-great films of his early career. But if if anything can be salvaged from any of them, it's generally his performance. Well, that's why, why, at least for him, it was a little bit of a a respite for me because last episode when he was doing Firebirds, like he was as wooden as wooden can be. Right. And it was just like, where did Cage go? And I would say with this movie, um, he's he's back. He is definitely in charge of his character. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. And I like watching Cage like that on screen. Yeah, it is really the the space in which he is the best as a performer. So Johnny finishes his painting. He shows it to Tari and Zandali. Mixed reviews, I would say. And then, you know... A, a, oh, that's nice. Yeah, exactly. Let's try hanging it in the bedroom uh, where no one can see it. <laughs> Except that it will stare at them as they lay naked in bed crying. Yeah, not having sex. Uh, as they weep yes. naked. Into their pillows. Right. It feels in a way like this movie takes a really long time to get going. I mean, there's another, there's a scene where he kisses Andaly and she rebuffs him. And then we, well, she rebuffs him after 10 seconds. Right. I mean, she kind of, in her own living room. That's the other thing. Brazen. Johnny is brazen with his affections. Very brazen. Very brazen. And then we have another, we have a scene, another, you know, stressed out to re scene. Business is so terrible. I mean, there's just, 
you, you you kind of feel like going, all right, we get it. We understand all of the relationships have been established, all of the frustration, all of the repression, all of the, we get it. So it's now been, what? It's now been what? building, building, right. building. And right. we, we basically find out, or or we can at least deduce that Johnny is kind of stalking Zandalee at this point. Well, and I think that we've got a little bit of evidence later in the movie to possibly support that too. So they have a an unusual, you know, interaction scene and, and, she seems really put out by him, but ultimately in the end... She's not put out because, you know what, he wants to shake her naked and eat her alive? Yeah, is that what he said? Uh, well, let's let's listen. We're inevitable. I want to shake you naked and eat you alive. Zondale. Don't say my name. Johnny. Nobody will be hurt from it. Because it is what it is. It is what it is. Just as simple as that. You want it? And I want to give it. And I guess that's all it took. Right. I mean, one slick comment like that and panties come off in the street up against a grate, if I'm not mistaken. Like in public, like like on the public street, they just like go off to an alley and... In the middle of in the middle of the city, in the middle of the day, just start going at it. Right now, we do cut to some serious. Oh man! Serious, serious, hard, angry, angry driving like, intercourse. Right, Cage, in, in in Johnny's correct. super artsy artist loft. Yeah, huge artist loft, probably two thousand square feet, paintings everywhere, and he just he is giving it he to her. He just wrecks her. He wrecks her. And Unfortunately. So we, do, we do see... Is this the first time we've seen just out and out naked Cage? I think so. Lots of shirtless Cage sure. in the past. But I think... But he is he is nude. He is nude. And, he is and she is nude. Going to town. He And it's very aggressive. It's artistic. It's very well, aggressive. He, well, he's a painter. And so he needs to express himself has, in any way possible. He is also emotionally repressed. By not being able to have done this to her earlier in the movie, right, right, he didn't, he didn't bed her the first moment he laid eyes on her. This was the third, right. So yeah, now, now you know, thirty-eight minutes into the movie, we have a reason. So right? uh, we have this sex scene that is just like this angry, you know, passionate thing, and then we go to the tender moment of oh, it's so bad. It is just, it is so so bad. If oh. he gets his paints out and he gets out his little palette. And her, her body is the canvas, Britt. Yes. Her body. It her, is. Her naked body is his canvas for his primary colors. It so <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. And she's she's digging it, though. She's all about it. Yes. And he's tender, whereas before he was rough. Oh, yeah. It's just terrible, you guys. It's so bad. So, you know, now, now there's an affair. Now there's sort of, okay, yeah, now we've on. got... Now we've got, you know, some... Some uh, nefarious truths, so to speak. So to speak, I like how you brought out. that back. Yes. Yeah. So now, so now it's on. It's on like Kong, post affair beginning, po- post beginning of their post coital, post coital. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot that happens. We've got got some interpersonal scenes between all the characters. One particular character, one character in particular, we have not yet met that ha- cannot go unmentioned is. Our good buddy, um, right, Mr. Aaron Neville. Nicholas Cage. 
And he plays Jack, a bartender at Johnny's favorite bar. Watering hole. Just and, a seedy, gross, smoky oh yeah, place it's to go everything you would think in. Get not, drunk on tequila. Yep. Everything you'd want a seedy New Orleans bar to be. And he's also somehow involved in the drug mule. Right. It's a little vague business. in this movie. It seems like Johnny is a drug dealer or more like a drug mule liaison kind of person. Yeah. We but know he does something. We're not exactly. It's not as clear cut. There's cocaine everywhere. Yeah. There's cocaine everywhere. But yeah, Aaron is just... His part is small, but memorable. And he is wearing the best of the Aaron Neville collection that it could possibly be. And that's fabulous. And for whatever reason, Tari walks into this bar as well, or, or knew he would find uh, Johnny there and invites him over for a dinner party because Tari's mom has a new suitor. Right. Or so, a new boyfriend or something like that. Yeah. So what follows is a super awkward dinner party where Johnny brings a date, none other than Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei in, in another Oscar-worthy performance. Right. And I mean, she's in the movie for all of three minutes, and it's funny. She's kind of comic relief, I think. This duck is really succulent. <laughs> Why a duck? Why not a turkey or a chicken? <laughs> The Marx Brothers, didn't you get it? Yeah, I got it. And I would say Zandali's not having any of it. I mean, I think he was probably with her that day, and then he's bringing a date back to her house, and they're being really weird and inappropriate. Marissa Tomei's, like, licking inside of his ear at the yeah. dinner table. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, and then while he's, like, running his hand up Zandali's leg under the table, and she stabs him with a fork. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly... Well, that makes sense. You gotta defend yourself in some way. Yeah, I mean, it's just all sorts of strange, and then ultimately... She's the, not having any of it. See, that's the thing. Zandali gets very morally upset upset about you know about him bringing this date back and so she gets up to go get the the dessert or whatever and uh johnny follows her and is really very mean and disrespectful in the kitchen and so the obvious uh result of that would be for them to just go screw like rabbits on top of the washing machine like 10 feet away from where the dinner party is yeah i'm not some dumb coon ass you can mess with understand fine you can be whatever you want to be. I know what you really are. What is that? Nothing but a dumb, coon-ass prick. Take me. Take my dumb, coon-ass prick inside of you with your husband in the next room. Can you do that? Yes. Loud enough that Therese, you know, Spidey sense tingles and uh, he kind of he kind of senses something's going on. Something's not right. Okay. So he senses that something's not right, which it's not because they're going to town. I think she actually turns on the washing machine. By yeah, the way. I think she does. To, she went to, to go get the to, like cherries jubilee, and all of a sudden the, the she's she's doing their whites. And so we see Tari sort of starting to wonder, possibly put something together, and then he turns and fully he what's it? He breaks the fourth wall he f- he fully turns and looks straight into the camera does he oh yeah <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he, it's like he forgot totally, about that he totally addresses the audience like did He's you like, see are that are you seeing this too yeah. what's going on it's 
awful. Oh, no. It is awful. I forgot. I forgot all it's about so that. That's bad. that's wonderful. Oh my oh, goodness. Oh, wonderful. So yeah. I'm thinking. I'm I'm esteeming this movie more highly now that we're talking about oh, it. Oh my goodness. And again, as a great example of how terrible and heavy-handed they are with "quote unquote" nuance. Uh, in in a follow up scene, Zandali and Tari are in their bedroom, and now he's he suspects something, and so he's a little cold and and aloof. And but he says something to her along the lines of, "You know, you're wearing your hair up." What have you done to your hair? I'm just experimenting. It's unsettling. It doesn't become you. And she turns to him and says, I'm just experimenting. (laughs) It's just like. With hair only. Right. Only with her hair. Right. Exactly. Oh, and then he makes a rude comment back. It looks terrible. It doesn't become you. It doesn't become you. What a a Southern gentleman he is. Oh, I mean, this, you know, clearly the the writers and director are very subtle. He's, you know, he's pretty high on the horse for someone who's not taking care of business. Yeah, I suppose so. Where does he get off, you know? <laughs> there, there we go. All right. At one point, at one, is... at one point, there's an, a lovely affair scene where I think Zandali is starting to, to, I think, maybe not feel good about the affair, but she, she starts to feel this like halfway through sex. Well, I mean, she's, a, she's a Catholic, and so guilt, having, guilt is part of But they're you know, like her... having sex, and she stops because she's not feeling good about it. And I think she even says something like, again, this is just, it's so bad. The dialogue is so awful. I think she actually stops. And then again, totally naked, intense, emotional scene where she says something like, I don't think that I can be the girl you want me to be. To which Johnny responds with, I know you can be the girl I want you to be. It's just, it's so Well, well if he so knows bad. that she, he, she could, then that's fine. Well, right. So then she's like, well, okay. And then she lays o- lanes over well, he prepares well, he a gets concoction. The, he gets of- the olive. So, so the, in one of the weirdest scenes of this movie, um, right after you know their coitus interruptus, he grabs a thing of olive oil, and you think, well, okay, he's he's an artist. He's just going to give her like a, a, a massage. massage or something. He ends up, and I'm and I apologize to to our good listeners, but I'm just going to tell you what happens in this movie. He pours the olive oil on top of the plate of cocaine. And proceeds to make a a slurry, a mix, a mixture, and he he proceeds to how can I say this, um, put it inside of her. Right, and she lays there with he, dead eyes. He puts a mountain of cocaine inside of her, <laughs> in a way. Right inside of her is there, front is or there, her back. Is there a, is there a better way to put that? Put in in her front or her back. I think. Um, Inside of her. <laughs> and so, and we're just sitting here, Britt and I are sitting here watching this thing saying, what the hell th- is going I on? I think our actual, I think our actual response was something like, oh, oh, so, so bad. So things start to sort of fall apart. We, we, it could have been the effects of the vaginal cocaine I don't know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Too could, far. Could have been. Could have been. But, you know, Zandali is progressively more unhappy. And there's a number of scenes, all of which are, for the most part, boring, although Joe Pantoliano is in one of them, uh, that just it, it 
that just show us that she's increasingly unhappy. Can I or- say can I say one more thing about the uh, cocaine scene? This is not played <laughs> as something that's weird. This is played as just like, you know, this is just what people do. Like people like it, it was not played. It, I, I don't think they the filmmakers presented it as something that we were supposed to be revolted by. I think they presented it as just like this is this is. Yeah, this is uh, this is love making in the 20th century. Well, Johnny is so confident in everything that he does. That's true. That, That's true. That it must be normal. Gonna, he's just going to do what he's this is do. probably this is probably something that artists do that we should assume we've heard of before. And possibly we should do as well. Not we, no. What in the world? Not we, you and me. Holy cow. That viewers, that viewers of Logistically, this film I don't even know how I would start to make that a reality. Too. Just the. Please don't make that. I mean, I guess we have olive oil. Uh. It's not an outtake, that's in intake. No. So to speak. Oh, my goodness. You can see what this movie does to us, listeners. Okay, okay, you can see. Okay. You can see the, so, yes. the, the depraved nature of Johnny Collins. The, the, fa- works its the magic falling on out. Everybody. Yes, let's move on. The falling out is like in full force now because um, he basically stands Zandley up for a, a for a nooner. So she's mad and she has she's just grumpy at her work and then she goes to this rendezvous at Johnny's loft and he's not there and so she trashes his place. She like throws paint all over the bed and tips all this all this paint over and storms out and and then continuing the downward spiral she's sitting in church Johnny, he's, uh, th- and this is where i do think he is a stalker yeah, because like yeah. he just shows up in he church just shows up so i think she is like ready for it to be done and he's not he's not all about that right exactly and so basically they have a little conversation with some very choice lines from cage in this about the nature of humanity well, in this scene i want you to move in with me no it'd kill him let me tell you something about people people die and people die everybody dies so leave him don't talk like that why don't you think of where you are oh God can hear us better in here, huh? Yeah? Huh? Well, fuck! Shit! Strike me down, Lord, because if you can't fucking leave him, I'll make you fucking leave him! Shut up! Shut up! Are we the real church? And how do we how we experience God? But ultimately, I think he rapes her. Yeah, they go. He 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 follows her into confessional and doesn't look like she's really into it. No, not at all. And then I think, and then she she leaves and runs. Like she runs and tries to get away. Yeah, basically, he's done. He becomes he becomes a rapist in this scenario. Yeah, and then he just kind of turns into an obsessed stalker because she's done. She doesn't want anything to do with him. And then I think that's kind of the turning point for her and Therese's relationship is, you know, she doesn't he doesn't want her to actually confess. But but they talk basically about reconnecting and going away for the weekend to do that. So, well, there's a it's it's a it's a confession of sorts. Therese and Zandali both kind of acknowledge what's going on without saying it yeah she's about to confess to him he doesn't want to hear it but they both kind of apologize to each other for what they have for the parts that they have played in this entire kind of sordid tale christ 
I thought I... God damn it. I can't give you absolution. I'm not your confessor. I tried to quit Southern Calm. Good. Good. I couldn't quit. But it'll free you. Like you. Western wind, wind without blow. The small rain down can rain. Christ that my love were in my arms. And I in my bed again. Remember that? We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to fuck. And uh, they decide to go off together yeah. and get away from it all and and go and, um, you know, take some time and just be together, just the two of them. So the one thing that I don't entirely understand. Can I say one other thing? Judge Reinhold's Adam's apple should be a credited member of the cast in this movie because it is a <laughs> prominent feature. Yeah, it is. It, it, it might be the most is. prominent feature of his body. And, well, and he's naked in this movie. Well, that's what I'm that saying. We well, I'm saying it. It. It is. There is a protrusion on his neck. I. I. There might be a metal con- condition might, that he needs to get the, checked out. Might be the start of a goiter. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know what a goiter is, but yes, it could be the start of one. Okay. So the one part that confuses me is the. I'll explain it to you. What is it? Tari and Zandali decide to go away. They're going to go to this place in the bayou that. Tari and Johnny both knew growing up kind of a, a place where they made a lot of memories together. That's where Tari and Zandali are going to go. Tari basically tells Johnny exactly where they're going to go in the next scene in a bar. Well, okay, I'll explain this. So, to you. you know, he 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 like literally spells out this is where we will be. So, so Johnny knows. Right. Johnny knows exactly where they are. Okay, here's the deal. Tari loves Johnny. Johnny was his first love, and Zandali is probably his third. Second is his poetry. Okay. And so Tari wants Johnny to be there because he wants all of his loves to reconnect. He wants there to be peace and harmony because his dad died. He's looking for meaning in life. He can't express himself the way he used to be able to, and he's grasping for love. And he wants Johnny to come. So he can reconnect with his boyhood friend as well. Oof, man, that is a reach for me. He loves him. That is a reach. Well, he loves him, but then at the end of this bar scene when they're talking about Zandali's infidelity, uh, Tari has a very pointed comment of... Lies and manipulation. These are the dueling blades of the day, Jack. You know who this guy is? Johnny. For all I know, could be you. So there you go. There's that. And perhaps, perhaps Tari is letting Johnny know, hey, I know more than uh, than you think that I do. It's fun when they get to whatever this river, you know, backwoods, redneck getaway that Tari's idea of having a good time is riding around in a speedboat while wearing a three-piece suit. Oh, yeah. He's fully suited. Although this is like the first time in the movie where you see Tari and Zandali kind of lighthearted with each other. They're actually relaxed and calm. and They're wearing daisy chain headbands. Yep. And of course, matching. And, and she's topless because always... You know, she's well, he just wants topless. he just wants to look at her. Yep, I know. Just God, you're beautiful. And hey, well, it works, doesn't it? Because he's able to get it up in the next scene. And she even praises him with this choice phrase. See, all our parts work. 
Well, yeah, they do work. <laughs> Isn't that what every man wants to hear sure. right in the middle of it? Let me give you uh, uh, some helpful advice. It works. All the parts work. All would of you look, them. Hey, would you look at that? It's one. I think all means his Adam's apple and his, you know, manhood. Uh, hey, it's it's I cannot imagine. Yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it there. That's they all the parts work. I think you were men. That's what we all want to hear. Hey, it's working. <laughs> you know, not like not like she would have to tell us. <laughs> we know it's working. We know. Everything seems to be going well on the bayou. Yeah, they stop. Uh, everything's going well. They stop into a like a tackle shop on the river to get some beer. And who's there? Da, da, da. Mr. Johnny Collins. I got some fresh down steak, babe, but you can't cook that when your wife's at home. <laughs> you want to go for catfish? You're going to have to eat chicken blood. Chicken blood will get you a cat. Right. Where you at, bro? What took you so long? Yeah. Is Therese's response. Like, Lighting up cigarettes in his just, cowboy boots. Just expecting Johnny to be there. So weird, right? So weird. Doesn't Totally disjointed. Doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and I can't... I mean, you honestly... Like, there's tension between the two of them, and you can't tell if he means it sarcastically or it, earnestly. But he invites Johnny to come back with them on their vacation. Yeah. Zandali is not happy. No. Well, this is the dude that raped her a day ago. Right. Or last week or yes, whatever. totally. She is not pleased. And so Johnny gets out onto the dock. Oh, well, and then what follows is what we mentioned earlier, the ballroom dance scene on the dock. Not between Zandali and any of the men, right. but between Turi and Johnny. Like staring into each other's eyes, like, like choreographed, like they've done this before. And I think one of them says to the other, let's show her how it's done or something to that effect, I want to say. I'm telling you, Tari loves Johnny. It's, but they like stare deadpan at each other the whole time and she just stands there and there's like music that sweeps, sweeps the viewers away and it's a long scene. It's very strange. Now I'm not saying, so give me, give me here. Tari's not gay. He's not sexually attracted to Johnny. He loves Johnny. Well, here's what I think is happening. Give me any piece of evidence to contradict what I'm saying from this movie. I guess I don't have one. However, at this point, I think Tari is starting to go off the deep end. And this is the beginning of his unraveling. Because as soon as the dance is over, he pulls out a pistol... And like, like that's loaded. Yes. And just starts and like puts it up to his own head and laughs, points it at each of them. Yeah. I mean, out of nowhere, we've had this like these last couple of scenes where it seems like Tari and Zandali are reconnecting and, you know, they're moving on. Yeah, like all is right with the world. And literally out of nowhere, he goes batshit bonkers. Yeah, he really does. He really goes nuts. And so B-A-N-A-A-N-A-S. Bananas. Bananas. Yeah. I don't know how to spell, but it devolves quickly. Yeah, it really does. So uh, he doesn't shoot them. The three of them end up again on the boat and they're speeding down the bayou like really quickly, taking these really sharp turns. And Tari is driving and no one is telling him to slow down. He's just like he is going crazy. And you know, it's not going to end well. Like right. you can tell, like this is not going to go well for some, anyone. This is some climactic moment. Johnny takes the wheel, maybe to, you know, 
calm him down, calm Dari down, maybe. And, you know, Tari and Zandali are fighting in the back and somebody takes a corner too fast. Or no, Tari shoots the gun. And so Johnny like spins the boat around, you know, because he's frightened and, and, and Tari falls off the back of the boat. Yeah. And then what follows is the worst death scene I have seen in a long time. Yeah, it's bad. It's a very slow, like he falls off the boat and we just think they're going to circle back and get him. But they don't. They stand there and watch him as he's like in entwined in the hyacinth in these thick uh, vines that are underneath the surface of the water. We can't see them, but he's not coming up. And so rather than drive the boat over to where he is, Zandali jumps off the boat and swims the like 20 feet, 20 feet. She can't get him up. So then Johnny also doesn't drive the boat over. That would make too much sense. He jumps in, he jumps saves in. Zandali. He goes back, pulls. I mean, that's the thing. He, he pulls, pulls Tari up. He pulls Tari up out of the water. And then Tari he's not stuck. Down. He's not stuck in the. But you know what? He, uh, Tari didn't want to be saved. He doesn't. He wanted to die. And so he does. He drowns. He literally drowns. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Everything was fine five minutes ago in this movie. Like, yeah. and, and not, not just joking around, not like putting on a, a false front. Like, he was fine, and now he's dead. Yeah, it's... Horrible. It's... Not good. The spike in, in consequence is high. Yes, it escalates quickly. It really does. And then, so, in my mind, I was thinking, well, this is the end of the movie. We're going to have, like, one final scene of regret... And tears, and then roll, you know, fade to black, and credits roll. Oh, no, no. No, there's there's more. There's more. Convict Bushimi needs to needs to accidentally run into Zandali at Tari's gravesite and dispense some brilliant wisdom on her. Hey, you got any money? How you doing? Not carrying any. No? It's all right. Do you want some chicken and biscuits? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. Shit, how you been? You look terrible. Killed my husband. This is great. Yeah. Say he drowned. How can you drown when you can swim? Now nah, some uh, big dick dude of yawns done him gone with a knife while you just laid by. Am I right or right? Like I always say, you be careful what you want. You might just get it. I never wanted this. Speak it once in a heart and amen, hallelujah, it's there. That's a religious heart attack. You don't got a light, do you? And, you know, she's full of regret. I killed my husband paralyzed emotionally and she's wearing her cross necklace again yeah she's just we see what uh johnny how johnny responds oh johnny's johnny's not doing well no no he's in his studio destroying paintings and uh smoking and drinking and probably taking a lot of cocaine yeah he's getting drunk every night with aaron neville with aaron never right and then probably so this is the scene that if you've seen anything from zandali you've seen this scene and it's him taking a razor to all of his paintings completely destroying them and then covering himself in black paint While screaming the entire time. Covering himself in black paint. Like, every square inch of skin covered in, like, jet black midnight paint. It looks like tar. It looks like he has been tarred. 
Well, you know, Brit, it's a metaphor. Yeah, it sure is. For the darkness in his soul. That's found its way out. For the pain of loss. What else? This was well thought out. Nick Cage took this movie because he read the script and saw that there was a scene where he could go freaking crazy and cover himself in paint in 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 just a fit of rage and self-loathing. Yeah, it it is the bright spot in this film. We we cheered when he covered himself yeah, in paint. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Cage fan and if you kind of are in on the joke a little bit, man, this is this is worth the price of admission right here for yes. sure, yes. for sure, for sure. Yeah. And he's screaming and howling and, you know, agony the entire time. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, he misses his friend. Yeah. His friend that he couldn't have cared less about until he met him at a bachelor party eating whipped cream off of strippers. Yeah, it's so true. It's oh, so true. The, the art, the tortured oh, soul the of the, the, uh, the artist. It. It's great. It's, it's very deep. It's very meaningful. Johnny tries one more attempt at stalking Zandali. He's just in her apartment when she gets home from a run. And uh, he tries to get things going. He tries to, you know, inappropriately start something again. He's like, I can't get you out of my, my head. And she even says something like, I'll never get rid of you. Or something like that. Yeah. They try to get something going. I've been having a kind of a strange time. I'm sick. Disgusted. I tried saving him, but he didn't want to be saved. He wanted to be let go. You wanted it. Not just me. When I go in my kitchen and make toast, I smell your skin. I can't get you out of me. Neither of them can can take themselves there because they both lost the love of their life. Yeah, and so then she... And why? Tari is nothing to love. He's not <laughs> exciting. Like, maybe Tari, a poet Tari who is like... What's his book called? Nasty Nef- Truths. Nefarious, nefarious truths. truths. Maybe Nefarious Truths Tari was like the most engaging, most incredible person you've ever met. But the Tari in this movie is a lump of dog poop. <laughs> he is, he's got the charisma of, you know. He's right home about Yeah, it, it's, sure. it's just awful. And he like, why are they. accent in tiny 90s mustache. I can see how they could feel guilty about him dying, but it's really kind of his fault. Well, Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing exciting there. And neither of them were that... If they had loved him so much, they wouldn't have screwed each other so crazy. Yeah, it's true. They wouldn't, screwed they wouldn't each have, other so crazy. They wouldn't have driven him crazy. That's the film criticism screwing. that you have come to know and expect in Cagecast. No kidding. So there's just a lot of, uh, you know... Uh, really, angst. really uh, angstful stares. Angstful. And there's a lot of angstful stares. That's a technical term. I'll okay. explain it to you after the show. So, yeah, they can't get anything going. Thankfully, I mean, it's like the one time where she keeps her top on. She ends up putting on Therese's trench coat and wandering the streets totally aimlessly. Like, with, a, like a zombie. Like a Like zombie a walking dead. With... Johnny following behind her at a at a safe distance. He's letting her express her inner and you know, she's emotions, just, and she's walking. And we think she's headed to the cathedral because there are shots of that. What we also see, however, is a disgruntled drug dealer. Yeah, kind of out of nowhere. Like we, there might have been a scene or two where. Hey, this guy's looking for you. Oh, he left a message on his machine. Yeah, that like, this, this you got to like, pay the Piper essay. Yeah, there's some there's the sub storyline of of Johnny's like drug life 
that we only get glimpses of. And then really, if you're not paying that close of attention, it's like blinking, you'd miss it. I think the guy leaves like one message on his answering machine about paying, paying up. And that's all. This is not a recurring theme throughout the movie where we see Johnny interacting with people who are threatening him right. if he doesn't, you there's know, there's no scene of like, Hey, pay. you owe $20,000 yeah, to this guy. No, it's very, it's easy. just like, it's Hey, very easy yeah. to miss. And it's so out, the very end of the movie out of nowhere, this guy comes up, pulls out a gun, like a drive by, but like a, like a stop by. Cause he's not driving. He just pulls up, stops, points a gun. Zandali for, for some reason out of her distress, sees a gun pointed at Johnny and she like kind of pushes him out of the way yeah. and she gets shot. Yeah. She gets shot like four times. Who ca- like, and she dies who in the cares? street. Like, and like the drug dealer peels. Out. Why? Why? Yeah. Why she, Brit? She just dies in the street and in the shadow of the cathedral. But like in this movie, why? And no one calls the cops and she dies and Johnny is like sad, but not weeping bitterly. And he's like, yep, she's dead. That's what was going to happen. And he picks up her body and he just walks the street. And that's the movie. And that's the movie. Like, what? Why? See, yeah. okay, okay, I get that you're going for this artistic movie and you're not pulling it off. Why at the end of this would, I mean, was it maybe some sort of, her, cr- what, some sort of like. Maybe this is her sh- penance. Her, maybe she's, okay. going, oh, she's going to, the, oh, she's headed to the cathedral and yeah, maybe she sees this maybe, as her penance maybe, for her sin. But to save, yeah, I guess maybe to save this undeserving soul, she um, takes the punishment for him. This is, uh, I'm, I'm, this is basically an evangelical film. Yeah, that's what is what I'm is. coming coming away with. Yeah, she's Jesus, <laughs> basically. She's, she is, and he is uh, humanity. <laughs> it's a it's a metaphor, people. It's deep. That was Zandali. Oh. We will we will talk about it soon in our ratings. Uh, we are going to be back soon. Here is a song from the Zandali soundtrack. It is Joe L. Sonier singing La Cherie Tout Tout. Welcome back, everyone. We have just finished our review of Zandali. Starring Nicolas Cage, Eric Anderson, Jen Dreinhold, among others. We didn't talk about this, but I would say that this is a integral supporting role, not a... Cage was not the star of this movie. No, he wasn't, but according to most of the movie posters out there, his face is large and in charge with his goatee. We all know that the stars of this movie are Erica Anderson's crotch and Judge Reinhold's Adam's apple. Yes! And so we will rank this movie between zero to four stars. Britt, what do you give this movie on an entertainment level? Oh, 
It was not entertaining. I know that when we do our review, we have a good time and we make it sound entertaining because it's entertaining to review it, to talk about it. It is not entertaining to watch this movie. It is painful. It is strange. Uh, I, I, I found absolutely no merit whatsoever from an entertainment perspective. I am going to give it a one. Yeah. Generously a yeah. one. I'm going to give it a one, two. And again, that is generous. That's basically for the Nick Cage scene where he's covering himself in paint. Yeah, and Joe. some of and some of his 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 crazy one liners are you know, pretentiously fun for me because I like watching Nick Cage on screen and then Joe Pantoliano. Yes, agreed. Yeah. I would say that's the reason it got up to a one. Agreed. Uh, but it's kind of a begrudging one. Okay, Britt, how about on an artistic level? Now, this movie, probably more than any other movie we've watched so far, is striving to be artistic. Yeah. Striving to be yeah. deep. It is reaching out of its soul to be an art film to, to, to talk about deep themes with deep, you know, feelings. Well, so, and, and that's the problem with it because it wants to be that so much and it wants you to feel that way so much so that it shoots itself in the foot by giving you way, an, a, a huge overdose of meaning. I mean, it spoon feeds the audience everything that it wants you to be sure that you don't miss that this is an arty film. It's... We're smart people. We can think this movie allows absolutely no room for any artistic sensibilities to come out. It doesn't want the viewers to get anything out of it other than what exactly the director and the producer and the writer want you to get out of it. And they're going to tell you exactly what those things are. And they're going to paint this very heavy handed picture and they're going to call it art. And it's not. Because of that, it's not. If if the had movie had in any way been slightly nuanced and left the viewer to actually think and consider what it was trying to say, I might be able to give it some artistic value, but because they just decided to tell me everything that I'm supposed to get out of this movie without letting me come to that conclusion on my own, I'm going to give it a one for, for art as well. Wow. I think a one is generous. I'm giving it a 0.5 because it movies, you know, can be harmless when it comes to their artistic merit. I'm fine with the movie just being for entertainment value. Um, that's why we have this rating system because some movies are going to be very entertaining and some are going to try to be very artistic and maybe not be as entertaining. But this is trying to be artistic and it fails on every level in my opinion. And so I'll give it a 0.5 just, you know, because it exists. But generally speaking, it is... It is devoid of artistic merit, in my opinion. There's really not much. And like I said, the direction and the editing were, there's nothing there. So it really needs to rely on um, you know, the themes and the writing. And there is nothing there to latch onto artistically. You could, you someone could look at this at a, from a different point of view and, and really attribute a lot of meaning to it. But I think, man, they're probably pretty misguided. Yes, I would agree. So, Nate, let's talk about Cage's performance. All right. Where are you at with that? You know, I'm struggling a little bit because the movie is not good. We've established that on both uh, in both the entertainment level and as a piece of art. It's just not good. It's a terrible movie. 
Now, Cage is a lot more lively in this film than in the last one we screened. Certainly. I think we each gave him a one in Firebirds. Right. And I would say he's better than that. Absolutely. I don't like his character at all, but it's it's a I, I he's the kind of guy you kind of love to hate. And Cage does play him well. He's crazy, and he does have some one-liners that are funny, unintentionally humorous, and he gets to pull off some crazy stunts like cocaine up up the hoo-ha and covering himself in black paint. He wears a terrible wig, and he totally pulls it off. So, you know, he's he's he is the Cage that we all want him to be. And so it's certainly not his best performance by a long shot, but... There are elements there that are make it fun to watch when he's on screen. And so for that reason, I think I'm going to give him a 2.5. That's exactly what I was going to say, too. And for the exact same reasons, there's enough there that if you're a cage completist or enthusiast, sure, go ahead and watch this movie. Yeah, there, know that what you're going to get out of it could be summed up in a five minute kind of best of clip. You I know, agree. yeah. However, Cage is, I was always engaged when he was on the screen. Um, The things that he's given to say are very bad, but he did the best he could. And I think compared to, we've seen some bad performances and this is not that. So I will also give him a 2.5. There we go. So what's our total? All right. If I've done my math correctly, we give this film an 8.5 out of 24. Well, there you have it. It will folks. be very much near the bottom. Yes. We will very much. we will tell you what it's ranked next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's round this out with our patented Cagecast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. So, Nate Porter. Yes. In I'm ready. 1991 Zandali. Yes. Was Nicolas Cage a lady killer? Absolutely, oh, he, yeah, was. he was. He was cocksure, man. He killed man. all those ladies. Yes, yes, he was all about it. If he was anything, he was a lady killer. Was he drunk or high? Yeah, he got super drunk and super high. Yeah. Did he have crazy hair? Yes. Yeah, I don't know why you hesitated. Hair. He had fantastic. Well, I was thinking. Hair. I was thinking about his hair, and yes, it is absolutely nuts. Yeah. It might have been, you know, character appropriate for an artist in 1991, but artists in 1991 had crazy hair. Absolutely yeah, crazy. Absolutely, I agree. Did he have a crazy voice, accent, or inflection? No, he he was he was. I don't. If he was trying to do an accent, you couldn't tell. He was flat the entire time. Just yep. normal voice. Normal voice. Did he have cage rage? Absolutely. Yeah, really. The, oh, the one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, is his, his moment of tearing up all the canvases and and covering himself in paint. He is raging against the machine, folks. Agreed. Does he punch or get punched? Yeah, I think he does. I think he punches Zandali on the boat. Does he? I think so. I know she punches him later when she's grieving. No, 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 no. I so think I guess he, he technically gets punched by okay, her. Okay, so yes, but I think he socks Zandali on the boat. Well, it's possible. I kind of want to go back and watch. Does No, never again. Does he run with a flashlight? Sadly, no. no. Uh, not this week, but again, we have our shrine here at the CageCast headquarters. It's a picture of Nicolas Cage holding a flashlight with an internal flame. We will see it. We will. All right, folks. Well, that wraps it up for Zandali. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to it. Again, not uh, at the top of our list of Nicolas Cage recommend, recommended movies, but hey, it's your time and, and your Netflix subscription, so you do with it what you like. 
Uh, next time, we will be reviewing 1992's Honeymoon in Vegas, directed by Andrew Bergman and starring James Caan, Sarah Jessica Parker, and of course, Nicolas Cage. Have you seen Honeymoon in Vegas? What do you remember about the film? What do you think about Cage in the movie? Send us your thoughts, please. Yes. And also, if you've seen Zandali, send us your review. We'll make sure and get it on the air. Or call for your audio review. Or if you just want to say something nice, anything nice about CageCast or anything horrible about it, trust me, we will play it. Call 3008-CAGE-OK. That's 330-822-4365. Music this week can all be found on the Zandali original motion picture soundtrack, and our theme song was written by Chris Cornell in Soundgarden and performed by Johnny Cash. Please remember to go to iTunes and leave us a four or five star review. It will really help. None of you are. Shame on you. How dare you call yourselves fans? Woo! Strong words. Go in there. No, you know I love you. Yeah, he really does. You know, it's it's not you. It's it's me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just having a with Tariq and all that. <laughs> He's gone. I'll get out the black paint. Where is it? Yes. We'll be back next week. And until then, we leave you with the reminder that without creativity, without life, then you are truly unable to go straight up the devil's ass. Look him right in the face, smile, and survive. Bye. <laughs> I'd be sitting in the corner Trying to rewrite the book of life I couldn't get past the first page So pretty early on we learned that Judge Reinhold I don't... And his th- character th- is... Theory? No, Terry. Terry. All right. His character is Terry. So... And he's married to Zandalee. Okay. So pretty early on we learned that... Terry. Terry. This, you gotta like, pay the piper essay. This like sub. Ooh, don't say that. Well, that's what he. She said something All like right, that. All right. Okay. You can burn up all your time. La chérie toot toot. <laughs> Is that how you say that? Is it toot toot? Yeah, I think. Toot toot toot. toot, toot. Oh we'll goodness. be right back. <laughs>